360 KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon. As uh, we get going for another week here in the 10 to noon time slot, welcome, and thanks for spending some of your morning with Trent and myself. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, I uh, hear this morning a lot of college basketball. Uh, up first is going to be Alex Halstead from CycloneAlert.com. Iowa State coming off an impressive Went over a bad Texas team, granted, but they took care of business and hats off to them for that. Uh, nice win for Iowa State. Kansas tonight, big Monday, 8 o'clock ESPN. Alex Halstead on Iowa State, bottom of the hour. Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report will slide on in here at 11 o'clock. He's one of Bleacher Report's national college basketball writers. We have to move Rob Doster uh, to another point in the week as his career is taking off and leaving us behind, but we'll get Doster at some point. Uh, so, Kerry Miller at 11, and then Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, as we'll get another look late in the program uh, at a topic that I'm assuming we'll spend a lot of time here to begin, and that's Iowa's victory over Minnesota. Terrific road win for the Hawks, and uh, a lot lot to get to. Trent, how are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, been a busy weekend, but ready to get going here again. It's going to be an even busier week as we got state wrestling Getting started on Wednesday with the dual tournament, followed by the traditional state tournament Thursday, and we'll have play-by-play here on KXNO. So when will we have play-by-play, and Uh, and what classes? It'll be Thursday morning, get started right at 9 a.m. with the first session of the whole tournament Mm -hmm. on the traditional side as I'll bring you the Class 3A first round and some of the Constellation matchups. You'll be in here at about 11 o'clock when I finish up. And uh, I'll finish off the show with you when I get back to the studios. Same kind of schedule on Friday. That will be the Class 3A and 2A quarterfinal round. Of course, a lot more wrestlers here locally in the 3A field. But we'll keep you up to date on all those. And then Saturday night, the title bouts as uh, we will bring you those here on KXNO. And do you get radio coverage Saturday night? Yes. Yeah, we will have that The Wilds and the Wolves are staying out of your way. Yes. Yeah, get uh, get to move them aside at least for one evening. Mm -hmm. And uh, state wrestling, always a big, big deal. So looking forward to it. And the sessions that we don't have play-by-play, we'll have full updates here on KXNO presented by Grinnell Mutual. Well, uh, you will have a busy week, and then how long until these basketball? They get are the girls up first the following week, or do they take a week There's off? There's a week off in between, so that week off in between, it'll be the beginning of sub-state play for the boys' side, regional play on the girls' side will be happening there, so we'll have some play-by-play happening, I think Monday and Wednesday, uh, Friday next week, I think it is, on the boys' side, the regional, girls' regional will be on Tuesday night for the Class 5A, the big class in the girls' side. And then Girls' State the week after that, followed by Boys' State. Away we go, Ken. Uh, busy time for you, Trent. No doubt about that. And uh, before we know it, we'll be into the month of April, and um, everything will be behind us. All right, lots of ground to cover. I, I guess, you know what, let's start with Iowa State, because I really thought the, that the fan base needed that, the team needed that, uh, and they got that win on Saturday. And really, you know, they never gave Texas a chance. And this is a Texas team that has no offensive identity. They, they're just, uh, they're just a bad basketball team. And Shaka Smart, you have to think that his, uh, career is going to be ending here, uh, at the end of the season. But, uh, with Jericho Sims not being able to participate, look, I get it. Iowa State's got 
pretty big cog in their wheel out <laughs> right. as well. But Sims means a lot to that offense, and uh, what we saw was just a um, just a pathetic effort. If you're a Texas fan, uh, you got to be thinking that uh, your fingers crossed that maybe the smart era is coming to an end. But just when we thought the Michael Jacobson era might be coming to an end, as far as going out kind of with a whisper, boy, he had a great game. I was really happy to see that for mm-hmm. him. Really was. Um, you know, he, I think he missed one shot in the basketball game other than his free throws. He was active, a double-double in the game. And really, I mean, far and away, his best game. Career high in points, I want to say. Good for you, Michael Jacobson. You weren't the only one out there, but uh, certainly uh, jumped off the uh, the box score because you hadn't had one of those this year. You know, and we really, at least I thought coming into the year, this was going to be, maybe not at the scoring level that we saw in the game Saturday, but this was going to be the Michael Jacobson that we saw throughout this year. And I was I was incredibly excited to see what mm-hmm. they were going to be able to do playing with two traditional posts, playing with two big guys because of the depth they have there with Solomon Young coming back. And he's had a nice season coming off that injury. You know what he's really good at? Free throws. Yes. He's yeah. a really good – I didn't know that about and the, him. The mid-range game has been uh-huh. really good. And that goes back – I remember back in November, and he's hitting some of those you know, 17-footers like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a little bit of more range to his game, certainly, than we saw early in his career. You couple with that content, and I thought they were going to be cooking with fire inside. Yeah. This was going to be a team that was going to be really good with what they could do. But for whatever reason – just I, I don't know if it's their skill set matches up too well. They they don't pass well with another big guy in there. Whatever it is, it hasn't worked this year with the two traditional big guys. Is it they're trying to pigeonhole guys that really aren't power forwards into so. a power forward role? Yep, I think so. There, there's plenty of at least theories of why it hasn't worked, but we know it hasn't worked out this year. You're right. Good for Michael Jacobson mm-hmm. to go out, have a game like that, and maybe a precursor of things to come. You know, we talked about this last Every year. week. The seniors that all yeah. of a sudden, guys either that are nice players and become great players their final 10 games or whatever it is of their career, or guys that have been inconsistent. All of a sudden, the consistency, the light bulb finally goes on. Let's hope that's the case for Michael Jacobson. Well, they uh, both uh, Jacobson and Young, they started out on fire. There was uh, The first 13 points all came from those two guys before the guards started to, to get involved in the basketball game. But good for Iowa State. Beat Texas. Look, they should have beaten Texas when they were in yes. Austin a couple of weeks, uh, uh, three weeks ago, whatever it was. They were the better team on the floor that day. Missed a couple of shots. Uh, a couple of little, uh, bunnies from underneath the basket. Didn't go down. And Texas found a way to beat them but good for Iowa State. Uh, and now, I guess, you know, as, as many have pointed out, there is legitimate hope that you can avoid the uh, Wednesday night of the basketball of the uh, Big 12 basketball tournament because the Big 12 ends on Saturday, so they start a night earlier on Wednesday, and that's the goal. I didn't think it was realistic when Halliburton went down, and I certainly don't expect them to uh, win tonight, but they've got Oklahoma State, and they've mm-hmm. got K-State left on the schedule uh, before it comes to an end. And, and uh, TCU. And TCU, that's a great point. And TCU, who is not as good as some thought that they were. That was a little fool's gold back in the month of January. They get K-State over the weekend, but before that they lost six consecutive and eight of their last nine going into that game. Yeah, this is a team that certainly has gone back the other direction. I really like Bain, mm-hmm. but that's about it mm-hmm. on that team. There just isn't a whole lot of depth there. And hey, What a weird circumstance for Jamie Dixon. You know, a year ago... Well, he was and, gone. Yeah, he was taking the UCLA uh-huh. job. He was out of there. And how difficult has that got to be to recruit to now? That's just it, Trent. I mean, he, he showed us he played his hand. Yes, right. <laughs> he really doesn't want to be there. It's his alma mater. He yeah. went home. He he tried. Re- he revitalized that program. I mean, TCU mm-hmm. is as bad of a basketball mm-hmm. program at the power conference level. You're but he took find. them as far as they could, I think. I, th- I think you're exactly right. And he knew that. Uh-huh. 
he didn't want to have it fall into the same situation that it was at Pitt. He took Pitt to something that, at least consistently over that long of a period, they they hadn't been in college mm-hmm. basketball. But he hit that plateau, and then, well, you know what? Going 20-12 and 12 and getting around to 32, that's not good enough anymore. And the Wolves started circling, and he got his way out here. Tried to do the same and go to UCLA. Didn't happen, and now, is he going to be in that... Still looking. This oh, I got to think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's like you say. Showed his showed his hand uh, during the off season last year. Speaking of the coaching carousel that we'll be getting on here in just a couple of weeks, John Beeline. Yes, going to be back on it. It appears, at least from a lot of NBA reports, that Trent. Are out there. That was. A, I mean, think back to when when he made the move. He's leaving Michigan to go to the NBA. He's not an NBA coach. No, he's a college coach for crying out. Wanted loud. to give it a go though. Yeah, I guess pure basketball. Itch. Yeah, scratch an itch. Uh, He's not a big recruiting guy. He, he no, is, you have to recruit, as you yes, know. Yes, and he, he has is talked it, about some of the shortcomings of recruiting and didn't like it, and mm-hmm. he would not get into those murky waters. He was no. one of the coaches that stayed away as at least as much as possible. Yeah, I don't even think he got close to that line. I, right. I, I really don't. So we'll see. Maybe maybe his career is coming to an end. I don't know. Does he want to go older, back? right? He's yes. Six, 60... I don't know. He's older than me, I think. 67? Is that what it is? I'm trying to think of the reports from yesterday. And it, I, yeah, it, I'm, look, I was not floored by the report at all. I wasn't. I mean, not, I, you could see it coming. He's a college coach that tried to do the NBA. 67. There you Just go. Just turned 67. So, now if you're a college program, I, I think this makes complete sense. Going back to Texas, where the conversation started, you know who the defensive coordinator at Texas is? Yasinich, the yeah, guy that yeah, 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 re- yeah. revolutionized that was, uh, Texas, Michigan, right? Michigan basketball. He yes. went down to Texas and assistant for Shaka this year. Yeah, get the uh-huh. band back together. Texas kind of recruits itself. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Maybe. Age discrimination, Trent, and it's not age discrimination. I think it's legit. He's 67 years old. Right. You know, it's how's that going to fly? Anyways, let's get to Iowa. Do want to get to the Valley games? Uh, Saturday night was incredibly entertaining. Northern Iowa and Loyola, A.J. Green looked like he'd been in a fight for crying out loud, and he was uh, in a fight. That was a physical basketball game. That one kid, I can't pronounce his name. It starts with the new Yugake. Uh, he just guards him. He mm-hmm. does a terrific job. Both of the, uh, both of the Loyola games uh, have been A.J. Green's big Biggest struggles this year. I mean, the three at the end, though. How good was that? I mean, you could just see it coming, right? Right. The script is kind of writing itself, and and he knocks it down. But uh, then Loyola pulled away. But Iowa yesterday on the road, up in the up in the barn, Trent. Uh, so much ground to cover with this game. So many. I mean, Ryan Craner a career high minutes. Cordell Pemsel back from suspension played as good a game as he's played in a long time. Since I thought his freshman was, year. Since his freshman year, I thought he was terrific. Wieskamp, on the other hand, I mean, come on, you're you're better than that, Joe. Yes, I mean you've got to fight for. I, I don't know what I don't know what it is, but boy, he's that's not that he takes nights off. No, but he sure disappears. Well, he does, and we talked about the road splits with him compared to what he does in Carver. I mean, it's it's stark. It's that way for most everybody, but his is to another level. Mm-hmm. For a guy is as talented as Joe Wieskamp, he can't have that happen and. He feels like he's in the similar vein of what we saw, you know, from guys like Aaron White early in his career. Yeah. Now later in his career that got better and Way certainly better. by his senior year right. he he fought through those kind that kind of adversity. Jared Utah never yeah. got to that level though, where he fought through it. Roy Devin Marvel early in his career. Mm-hmm. You physical with, with mm-hmm. Devin Marble, you're gonna take him out of the game. By his senior year though, he was able to overcome those kind of things. Wieskamp still isn't there. And that is the big knock against him. The problem is 
those guys that we talked about before in Iowa basketball, they had other talent around them. Right. They had other dudes. And right. short of Luca Garza, with no C.J. Frederick, there is nope. not a whole lot of what, offensive what, firepower. So speaking of C.J. Frederick, I, I've heard conflicting reports. I think I saw Mark Emmert uh, tweet at some point that uh, – they're calling it day-to-day, but maybe this was just his assumption. This is how he was reading the tea leaves. It's, uh, they're, they're calling it day-to-day, but it sure feels like it's longer. than. And I'm paraphrasing when, it, when I say that. That was on his Twitter. Um, but, a, but a great win without him. i got to ask you about because I don't want to forget about this. Luca Garza's fifth foul. Come on. Oh, that Come was on. awful. That was just a terrible call. Ball don't lie. <laughs> Boy, that Twitter was – I must have seen that from, I don't know, 10 people on Twitter. Very – I follow a lot more I saw from about 20. Did you? Ball don't lie. Because I was about to tweet the same thing, and I saw everybody already said oh, it. Man. And it was absolutely true, because that was an awful call. Uh-huh. And the fifth on top of it. It was brutal. There was a couple of those ticky-tack ones that well, went against them. Well, they let him play. That's the thing, Trent. At it's, times. Well, certainly early in the basketball game, yeah. they were letting them kick the crap out of each other. Oh, right. And then they kind of reined it in a little bit, but... You know what? You're almost better off, I think, because you don't know. You don't want the the style of officiating to change midstream, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to let him play early, then just keep letting us play because you know I was able to get away with this early in the game. Now it's maybe not as egregious, and I'm getting I'm getting a call. Twenty four points from Garza. He was excellent again, even in limited and only minutes. in twenty eight minutes. That's because the key, of the foul, right? And he was auto subbed in the first half after he picked up the second. And I think that was the right move. In I that think game. so too. In mm-hmm. that game, in that against game. Because Garza is a guy that doesn't really struggle with foul trouble. I think he fouls once every 13 minutes he's on the floor. If there's normally a guy you can get away with, but he's going against Daniel mm-hmm. Turo, who's about as good of a big as you're going to find right. on the other side. And because of that, the physical style. and Was the, was the elbow to a Turo the third or fourth? That was his Un- fourth. Underneath the basket. Yes. That was one of them, too, right? I mean, yeah. I, clearly there was and nothing And they went back egregious. and looked at it. And it wasn't his elbow. It was... Uh, Trapezoid. Yeah, his trap, right, that, that got him. So uh, There's going to be those kind of games. Yeah. And these are the conversations that we've had about Iowa because of their limited depth. And you said it, Cordell Pemsel. Without him, they don't win that game. No, they don't. He was huge in that game. Connor McCaffrey didn't light up the scoreboard, but made. Uh, I mean, the free throw late was good. Uh, him and Williams, the three was massive. The um, him and Williams getting after each other. Boy, I like this kid's game trend. He's yes. got. He's got a. He's got a little nasty in him. He really does. Seven assists, no turnovers. Uh-huh. Leads Again. the country in assist to turnover ratio. Pretty good. He's a good player. Yeah, he's a really. Look, he's a smart player. People love to look at the negatives, and he yeah, the one for five. He's not a great shooter. He's good enough. Mm-hmm. He can get by. Last year when he was shooting 18% from three in Big Twelve, Big Ten play, yeah, you can't get away with that. Shooting 33%, though, you can handle that because he does so many other things well. He started off the game playing power forward. And then when you could see early on, this was going to be one of those Tucson games where Tucson was yeah. out of control. Yeah, he was. And he was fast. Yeah. And he's turned but it he's over. out of control. And the thing is, I mean, other guys have turnovers. Well, well short, even short of too. I mean, Even's not great himself, no. but... It seems like every one of Toussaint's turnovers turns into a layup. Yeah. Or at least Evelyn, the defense, could get back and get set up. And speaking of defense, after how poorly they've been on the road defensively. Not this game. They came out, yep. and from the get-go, they were engaged. They were together. That's the way that they need to play defensively to have a shot to pick up road games. And they finally got another one to go with the Northwestern win. Of course, they have the non-conference wins against Syracuse and Iowa State. But, you know, you, you look at this schedule as a whole— a sigh of relief, I think, from Hawkeye Nation because you heard it. We well, got I heard the split. It. You got yeah. What the Fran fade was in full effect. If you go back to last week, right? I mean, here it we are. Felt like it was uh-huh. possibly going that direction, and now 
<sighs> you're back. Yeah. No more bubble talk. So no we, more collapse. No, talk. no, no. They're, they're in. So Ohio State, then a break to Michigan State Tuesday. Yeah, and a good time, it feels like, for this team to get off their feet. And with that, can Frederick be ready by Michigan State? You, you mentioned that, and mm. he didn't have a boot on nope. at the game. Nope. I heard somebody say it was not the dreaded high ankle sprain. It was a sprained ankle, mm-hmm. but the lower variety. Mm-hmm. Even if he can't go against Ohio State, I think at home Iowa can get that game. They're going to have to play well still. Still a very talented Ohio Thursday State Thursday night. Thursday night. Keep him off his feet. You don't play over the weekend. And then back Tuesday, Tuesday. for Michigan State. A, dare I say, winnable game in East Lansing? I know there haven't been many of them. And there's been some mm, ugly ones there. Yeah, I, I don't How know. How about that collapse from Sparty Saturday night? Unbelievable. Whoa. Yeah, look, Maryland's 14 really nothing good. run to end the game? I mean, well, we saw an 11 nothing run with Iowa. You know, the two conference leaders that moved the needle kind of got my attention this week. I've, always, I've been on Maryland, yes, but I'm have. not on Baylor. Yep. And Baylor kicked crap out of West Virginia. Yes, I mean, they, they kicked the crap out. Now, a week from, no, this coming Saturday, right? Kansas-Baylor in mm-hmm. Waco. Sign me up. Oh, my That's gosh. an early tip, too, isn't it? I don't know the tip time. I thought I saw that it was I'm surprised like... It didn't, I'm surprised it's not a prime time. It might be like a... Eleven CBS eleven something weird like that. CBS I'll, I'll check probably here, has but, yeah. noon. Well, maybe not. Maybe on a Saturday they don't. Sunday uh, usually is their noon slot. But yeah, both of the uh, both of the conference leaders um, certainly grabbed my attention. Maryland was terrific. That was a fun game. That was a fun game. Maryland Michigan State. I know what it is. It is eleven. Game day is going to be there. Is, are they like literally leading into uh-huh. the game? I wonder how that's going to work. I mean, you can't have. You can't have Billis and the crew out Not there. Not on the floor, no, because the, the team want, teams want to move uh, to warm up, I'm right. assuming. Sorry, guys, you can't use the middle of the floor. We're going to have a big television set set up here. I wonder how they're going to do that. It should be fun know. to watch on Saturday morning. Yeah, it's gonna be, the game's going to be terrific, yes. no doubt about that. All right, so Saturday night, um, uh, Northern Iowa, uh, Loyola. Trent Loyola's legit. There's no question in my mind that they are. These two teams, both of the games that they've played this year have both gone to overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, the Panthers picked them off at the McLeod Center. Uh, and then uh, this past weekend, Loyola gets him in overtime as A.J. Green hits a, just a miraculous shot at the uh, at the buzzer to send it to OT, where they'd promptly be outscored 11-2 to uh, in the game. But this is a good Loyola team. I'm convinced uh, Northern Iowa is a good basketball team. Fife was once again Fife. He didn't miss a shot the entire game. Haldeman hit some big ones. Brown hit a couple of big threes yeah. at the end of the first half that were huge uh, for them as well. Burhau was good. Uh, who am I missing? Really nothing from the bench this week. No, in fact, speaking of that, they played a combined 10 minutes off the bench. Here's your starters, the minutes they played. Obviously a 45-minute game with uh-huh. overtime. 45 minutes, Burhau and Green didn't leave the floor. 42 each for Brown and Haldeman, and Fife played 41. Those are your starters. All played over 40 minutes in the game. Four minutes off the bench for Dahl, three for Kimmins, three for Pickford, and Noah Carter just uh, under a minute. So the four, so the, uh, the four that uh, Fife missed, Dahl got those, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Were you surprised, because I was, when A.J. Green, especially when we saw the replay from underneath the basket, where his... Um, Face was Williamson. Not he didn't do it on purpose, mm-hmm. but he landed his butt landed on him and drove his face and his nose right into the floor. I was surprised that concussion protocol. I'm saying he was concussed. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying I'm surprised in college basketball because we seem to err on the side of caution, rightly so. When it comes to these things, now I was surprised that there wasn't even, to my knowledge. 
um, even you know the the slightest kind of pause for uh, to check him out a little bit, bring him over, or yeah. have somebody go out there and just check right away to see what happens. Yeah, it was one of those, and they showed it. Ooh, just wincing, like, right? Oh, man, I mean, how it was. No, I I guess I my mind didn't go to concussion when it was happening. I I don't know. I just for whatever reason, maybe that's just the football side of it, and that's just what you think about football-wise. Mm-hmm. But that never jumped in my mind, but it's a good point. Well, nothing broke his, bro, not his fall, uh, yeah. prevented his nose from going. I mean, Williamson's a big dude, and mm-hmm. he landed with his butt right on the, on, the, on the back of his head and drove his nose right into the floor, and he's got cut under his eyes, got a cut on the bridge of his nose. Um, but look... He stayed in, <laughs> made that three, just unbelievable. Um, but in the end, Loyola was just too much. Well, and now the wiggle and the room, Gentile looked really cool too. By the way, yes, it is. It was packed. It was a sold out crowd uh-huh. there, and they were and into loud. It. Yes, into it from the get go. Saw a couple of cutaways to the students a couple of times. They were letting AJ Green know that they were certainly there throughout the game. Great environment. That's mm-hmm. what you love to see out of the MVC. You know if the. The MVC is and not, some prime time too. Seven o'clock yes. ESPN two. It's not going to ascend back to the level that it was when Creighton and Wichita were there. Not just because of what those basketball programs are. I, I think Creighton's we over really good Trent. We overstate how good those programs are though overall, but the importance to them was the fan base. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis was spectacular yes. when both of those schools were still in the valley. You knew five, six, seven thousand Creighton fans were going to uh-huh. be there. And they were going to fill the building, not just for the session they were playing in, but they're going to go watch basketball. Yep. And same thing, the Wichita fans eventually got there. In their yellow and black, and you know they're going to take their section, and they're going to fill it up, and they're going to be loud. And then, do you remember the old day? I mean, the Enterprise, what was it? It wasn't the Enterprise Center at the time. What The Scott Trade Center, yes, right? Yes, yep. The even the the upper decks mm-hmm. were, were yes. wide, and the building was packed. It was a good crowd. You knew you were going to get that the quarterfinal Friday and semifinal Saturday. Mm. So so good with those back to back games. What the conference needs first of all is Loyola to continue to be solid, be a really good yep. program, be Chicago, be what they hoped for. I when they initially picked Loyola, laughed at it, scoffed at it, yeah. said this is never going to work, and it's certainly it worked. Like they were settling, didn't it? And even the final four run aside. It's worked better than I anticipated. Valpo, though, is another small Uh private school that doesn't have a huge fan base. And even if they get good and even if they win games, what they need more than anything, you and I to continue to bring the couple thousand they do because it's a good-sized public school. But the programs that they need to really elevate are Illinois State. Mm -hmm. That is a school that has bigger enrollment than the University of Iowa, Illinois State. Is that a fact? It is a huge school. It is a big area there in downstate, in normal. They need that program to hum along and... Well, like when they had a Cyrus Eldridge. I remember oh, being at my. that game against you and I, the championship game, and they brought people. They need Missouri State to recover. They need Southern Illinois, another big mm-hmm. public school. Those three, because of their fan bases, they need those three programs to elevate. Now, St. Louis used to be special trend. It's still pretty good, I'm assuming. I haven't been there in a while, but boy, it, was a, it used to be a terrific tournament, and it's going to be good this year. So what does that loss do for Northern Iowa? Does this, does this take at-large off the table? Say they get to... I don't lose another game, although it's not going to be easy. But say they get to the final on Sunday and then get beat. Oh, I think they're fine. Then. You think they are? I think they're fine in that scenario. But the wiggle room is gone. The wiggle room is gone. In fact, I think even if they get nabbed in the semifinals, they'd be okay if they win their four remaining games of the regular season. It's going to be two road wins, Indiana State and Drake, and two home games, Southern and Evansville. They put that together, get even to the semifinals. You're talking about a team that would be... 27 and 5? That's got to be good enough. Well, well, With a road so. win against Colorado, 
A neutral win against South Carolina. The West Virginia game, Trent. Oh, boy. Have that in their pocket. They did have it. They did have it. They could still lose another regular season game and be in good shape. If they won that one. Of course, they didn't win that one. So then yesterday, there was no TV, ESPN3. I was hoping it was on ESPN Plus. It wasn't. But uh, so I followed the Drake game just to follow in the box on ESPN. How about a Licklider team scoring 80 points? Trenton, how about a Licklider team that I thought was going to beat Drake for a good portion of that basketball game? Jumped on him early. They really did. They pounced on him early. But DeVries, I don't know what he did in the locker room, whether he, you know, lit him up or what uh, kind of approach he took. But uh, Drake, it was a different team when they took the floor in the second half. They didn't cover, but you know what? Uh, they got back to 7-7. Seven and seven. Here's the thing with that trend. Look at all those teams in that clump at seven and yes. seven, there's four of them. Two of those seven and seven teams are going to be playing on a Thursday night. Right, you're going to be you're going to be playing Evansville, the seven seed, and uh-huh. the eight seed's got the nine, which more than likely be Illinois State. Which an Illinois State team still has a little bit of talent on it. I know they've had a lot of injuries this year. That's not the spot you want to be. You have to play and, the extra game, yeah, right? And Drake's got they've got Loyola still. They go to Loyola. Mm-hmm. Okay, good luck there. And they host the Panthers. What else do they have? Uh, bring Drake back up here. It's Valpo this week at home. Okay, so that's an important game. They're, but they're going to be a slight favorite. But it's, yeah, but those are the, but Valpo's a seven and seven team with yep. them. This is huge. Then a road game at Illinois State. Okay, and there's a well. They should win that game. Should it, win but that. it's on the road. But they should win it. At Loyola. Man, not going to win that game. And then the Panthers at home to wrap Tough up. Tough game, man. It's really, really difficult there. And the other really difficult part, if you fall, especially if you're in the 8-9 game, mm-hmm. you play Wednesday night and you come right back around noon against the number 1 seed. No, Thursday night. Or Thursday, yeah. Right, and then noon against no, the noon, 1, absolutely. You That quick turnaround uh-huh. is incredibly difficult for those 8-9 seed, whoever wins that game. And that's what you could be facing if right. you're Drake. Yeah, you play. Yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. So, uh, well, tiebreakers. Well, look at Drake's two final home games, right? Valpo, huge, yes, for the standings. So we could get to February 29th, and Northern Iowa might be playing for a title, and Drake might be playing for an opportunity to avoid Thursday night. Could be a lot on the line in that game. And we know the Deuce has it, right? ESPN 2. That yep. one moved. have not announced a tip time yet as far as I've seen. Uh, I mean, I've seen it at 6 o'clock, but then when ESPN 2 picked it up, did that mean it stayed there? I haven't seen. Uh, we will get back into Iowa State. We're going to do that with Alex Halstead coming up. They are on the road. The Cyclones are tonight. It's big Monday. Into the fog they go. Uh, Kansas playing very good basketball right now. Iowa State gets 16 points. From the Jayhawks. Is that enough? 16. I would probably lay them right now I if I had to I make a bet. Too. I think I would too. Even after winning again mm-hmm. by 29 points. Texas is really bad, Trent. They have nothing offensively. Uh-uh. There is nothing that they can do on that end of the floor. Kansas does have some guys offensively. Yeah, you think? They can score. Uh, Alex Halstead next. We take you until noon. College basketball from a national perspective with Kerry Miller at 11 o'clock. He will join us. Bleacher Report for Kerry Miller. By the way, Rob Doster, who's normally in that spot, he's going to have to pick another day of the week because he's got himself a new gig. Yeah, he's uh, working with Jeff Goodman with Stadium Stadium Online where uh, they're going to be doing some television work here. On Mondays, and he gets to fly into Chicago. Every Monday he flies to Chicago? Yeah, every Monday. I don't know if he's going Sunday night and getting in on a red eye, something like that, from his New Jersey stopping grounds. But Doster will still join us. Don't worry. And Mm -hmm. for the people that uh, want us to put his feet to the fire a little bit with his comments. Oh, he had nice things to say about the Hawks after the game yesterday. He did. Yes, he did. But we'll we'll still talk to him. And Doster's always good to give a hard time to, too. And he can take it well. No, and I'm happy for him. He's a good kid. And uh, he's uh, one of the the risers in the business and stadium. So that will be stadium.com. 
Com TV with Goodman? I believe so, yeah. And I don't know if they have any offshoots, you know, if... I don't know either. You know, when NBC Sports Affiliate picks it up, anything like that. Mm-hmm. But when we get Dost around, we'll get all the details. Uh, we will talk to Alex Halstead next. We take you until noon. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106... Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you here until noon. In the 11 o'clock hour, Kerry uh, Miller from Bleacher Report, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic in about an hour from right now. But right now, he's Alex Halstead, 24-7 SportsCycloneAlert.com. As we look back to Iowa State's uh, thumping of Texas this past weekend and a look ahead to tonight uh, as they will uh, be on a Big Monday. Kansas uh, shares the floor with the clones tonight. But let's go back first of all. How are you, Alex Halstead? I'm doing good, yeah. Uh, kind of an interesting week last week. Uh, Iowa State got thumped, and then they thumped somebody, and now we'll see what side they come out on tonight uh, in Lawrence. Yeah, 16-point dog as they head to Lawrence. But let's do let's do the Texas game first of all, because, look, Texas, they are so challenged offensively, but Iowa State never gave them a chance. And, you know, this was a team that was uh, inferior to them, and it's not like they played down to them. Uh, it's hard. I mean, think what I'm saying. This is not the best Iowa State team, but this is a really bad Texas team. And Iowa State never gave Texas a chance. Yeah, obviously, you know, Iowa State was helped a little bit with Jericho Sims out, and Texas is dealing with some injuries, just like Iowa State's dealing with the major injury of, you know, Tyrese Halliburton lost for the season. So they're both playing a little bit shorthanded. But, you know, Shaka Smart said even after the game that, you know, he thought Iowa State really played a lot harder throughout the entire game. But also, he said they confused them at times with switching. Uh, a lot of their stuff. And so I think Iowa State, you know, even if Texas is, is going to struggle here down the home stretch or, or whatever they might be uh, in the bottom half of the Big 12 with Iowa State, um, you still saw Iowa State play really well. Um, you know, and for a full 40 minutes, really, yes. for the first time in, you know, maybe a while and maybe in conference play, you know, they played well from beginning to end. And I think that was probably the, the thing that really stood out was um, just that they played well well from the beginning to the end. And it was really the upperclassmen, Michael Jacobs and Solomon Young, had their um, not, I wouldn't say best game for Solomon, but you know, collectively their best games together. Uh-huh. And then Prentice Nixon stepped up as a different way. So a really good effort for them. And I think it, it kind of shows that, you know, after getting beat by 29 last Wednesday at Oklahoma, you know, that they can still bounce back and that there still are some winnable games in this back half of the Big 12 schedule. You know, we've talked about the fan base a couple of different times. And I've told Ken, I think I told you, Alex, I was surprised some of the negativity just how deep it has gone from Cyclone fans. There's always going to be the lunatic fringe, the people that are always on edge, but it's gone a lot deeper with that and some of the vitriol going towards Steve Prohm. And, and it's not him as a person. I think everybody likes Steve Prohm. He's just such a nice guy. But this basketball program, looking for the second time in three years of not making the big dance, what did Saturday's win, if anything, do to the fan base at least to to calm some of the nerves that are out there and the frustration certainly that is there? Yeah, I think, you know, a big thing is just, you know, fans don't want to see them lose at home to teams like right, right. now, like Texas and TCU here in a couple of weeks. You know, those are still games even without Tyrese Halliburton. The fans, I think, expect is maybe a different word this season, but they, they still think Iowa State should win those games at Hilton Coliseum. Obviously, Hilton mm-hmm. in recent years has not been what it was, you know, even a few years before that. So there's been some frustration with, with not winning as much at home, and obviously the season as a whole has been frustrating for fans. But I think 
fans still have the expectation that they should be competitive in these games and you know win some of these games down the home stretch. Now tonight, like like Ken mentioned, you're a 16 point underdog on the road against Kansas, but you come back home Saturday against Texas Tech and they just lost at Oklahoma State. You still got TCU at home. You go to Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Those games are winnable. Um, you know, the talk Saturday was that, you know, this team can still uh, potentially, because mm-hmm. of how much the bottom half of the Big 12 is struggling, they could still finish sixth yep. in the conference. And so that keeps them out of Wednesday in Kansas City. And so that's kind of what Steve Prohm and Michael Jacobson talked about after the game. And so I think as much as fans are frustrated, I think the win Saturday um, doesn't heal anything, but it, it makes them feel a little bit better and it doesn't help going to Lawrence tonight, but if they can win some games here in the back half, I think they have to at least you know, feel like this team did just completely fall apart. I, I couldn't be, agree with you more, and I think that that has to be the goal, and I think it's a realistic goal at this point for just for you know, based on what you said, the bottom half, the Oklahoma State's still out there. K-State's still out there. TCU is still out there. Sure, West Virginia's going to be difficult. Sure, tonight Kansas is going to be a tricky spot, putting it mildly, because uh, Kansas playing pretty good basketball right now, but that has to be the goal, uh, to avoid Wednesday night in Kansas City and begin tournament play on Thursday. I think that that would be a win for this basketball team. So everybody played except Zion Griffin. Um, I mean, Prom emptied out the bench. What was behind that? Yeah, we, or I guess he was asked after the game and uh, he Vic said two words, coach's decision. So uh, that's, that's about it. Huh. Not injured. Uh, so it was just Prom decided not to play him in that game. Like you said, it, it obviously became a clear question once right. he emptied the bench with, with the four walk-ons and Zion Griffin still didn't play. And it probably goes back to a couple of weeks ago, you know, when, uh, there's the game that Terrence Lewis didn't play at all and tried to ask after the game if it was his injury or whatever because he had been a little banged up and at one point in the season had a boot, and he said no. So that was obviously a coach's decision as well. So between Terrence Lewis and Zion Griffin, I think there's just different things problems apparently working with and working through behind the scenes. Obviously, Lewis has played um, considerably you know, more consistent minutes the last week or so since Tyrese has been out. So you know, he seems to be kind of out of that doghouse, but you know, maybe Zion Griffin has replaced him in there. Yeah, sure yes. looks like it. It's absolutely crazy, certainly, the the path for him. And, well, Terrence Lewis never got the minutes yet. He stuck around for his junior year. Are the rumblings, though, that Zion Griffin going to be looking looking for a new destination after this year? Yeah, I think, I mean, you always have to look to that, especially mm-hmm. in this day and age of college basketball. He didn't play much last year, and that was a lot, lot because of his uh, injury, right? before he arrived at Iowa State last year, but now this year I think he came back. I was thinking he could play more. His minutes have been inconsistent, and now it seems to be maybe more internal than anything. So I think that's always something on your radar, whether it's him or Terrence Lewis, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of offseason goes because, you know, right now obviously you still have to wait out the decision of Tyrese Halliburton as well, but, you know, they could have some scholarships to work with and look at the transfer market to try to – you know, see if they can quickly improve their roster for 2020 and 2021. A louder cheer at Hilton win. Schuster scored or Booth? Um, Which one of the two walk-ons? Yeah, I mean, what, every team's got one of those, right? Every fan base has one of those walk-ons that they that they watch, that they root for, that they hope that gets, uh, gets in the game. Then when he does get in, the place goes bonkers. And it certainly seems like Booth is that guy. Yeah, it was probably Booth, especially because of the shot. Prome uh, joked after the game that it was just it was a really tough shot. <laughs> I think he had a hand in his face and just kind of threw it up and it went in. So that was the one that really got the bench going. Uh, Tyrese was uh, going crazy on the sideline yeah. as well. So uh, you know, you know, you've had a good a good showing in the Big Twelve when you're able to empty your bench with your walk-ons. It's not very often that in a conference game you get to put all four walk-ons in with more than two minutes left. So Caleb Grill hit another shot. 
hit a couple shots the uh, game before against Oklahoma. Feels like he's at least becoming more comfortable in that role. You see a sign of things to t- to come. What do you think he can become in the Big Twelve? Yeah, that's the hope is that he's starting to gain some confidence. He we talked to him last week, uh, the day after they got back from Oklahoma, and and he said he's just trying to. I mean, Prohm's basically told him just go out there and play and stop thinking so much. And I think. That's one thing with him is his confidence has been kind of down, I think, a little bit this year because he's been putting a lot of pressure on himself to produce. And now I think he's in a situation where Tyrese is out for the year. Uh, he, he's roommates with Tyrese, but uh, so mm. he probably get some advice from him. But, you know, Tyrese is out for the year and his minutes are going to increase. And Prohm just said, go out there and, you know, do whatever. Um, and so uh, I think that's probably helped him just play a little bit more loose. And you've seen him make some threes. But, you know, I think. The hope from fans would be like the best case, and I, I don't think it could become this because we've seen what Matt Thomas has become. But I mean, the best case is that you know you saw Matt Thomas struggle his freshman year, yeah. though he produced more than Grill has. But eventually, you know, he slowly but surely kind of came along and developed into a really good player. And you know, that's asking a lot of Grill, seeing that you know Thomas is now with the Raptors and actually playing with them. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it's going to become that, but I think something like that, or you look at Nazmi through long struggled as a freshman. I think people are hoping that you know he could still kind of develop into something in the next couple years, even though maybe his freshman year hasn't gone quite like he wanted it to. Uh, football question or two, recruiting-wise, we'll let you go, Alex. Alex Halstead, 24-7 sports, cyclonealert.com. Well, T.J. Bowler seems to be blowing up recruiting-wise. Alabama's now uh, in the in the mix for him. I got the impression when we talked with uh, to you about him before that you thought Iowa State was pretty high on his list, not saying that they still aren't, but where is Bowler's right now? I mean, he's starting to get some eye-opening offers. Uh, do, what does that do? to Iowa State's chances in your mind? Well, I think Iowa State's going to stick in it. Um, you know, they've already scheduled the official visit for mid-June, and that's going to be one of his probably final official visits, depending on how these these pan out. So I think Iowa State's going to stick in it um, through it all, but it is going to be interesting to see now how this Alabama and Texas A&M offers, you know, how those affect his uh, official visits, because he had scheduled them in with, you know, he's got one scheduled already um, to Cal and Iowa State, and the other three were going to be to Washington, Nebraska, in Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, one of those schools works their way into an official visit spot in the spring or summer. I think that would be kind of the indicator, but I mean, he's going to have his pick of schools wherever he wants to go pretty much in the country. You know, once you start getting A&M and especially Alabama. So, you know, he's got, I think 17 power five offers and there'd probably be more out there if, if he was reciprocating interest in with another direction. So, um, I think I would say they will probably stick in it, uh, in large part because they were the first offer. They've uh, they've had a really good relationship with them. They've hosted them on campus a ton, and they scheduled that visit for June. Uh, good stuff. Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports Cycle So Kansas tonight, then off to Saturday, and Red Raiders are in this weekend, correct? Yeah, I think they yep, are. that's right. Yeah. And like I said, that, that's one that you'd hope to be able to get at home, you know, seeing that Texas Tech just lost at Oklahoma State. Yeah. I think, you know, Iowa State at least feels confident that they can compete with them and West Virginia and some of those schools, at least at Hilton Coliseum. Yeah, Baylor sure opened my eyes this uh, this Saturday. I mean, they hammered West Virginia. I thought West Virginia would give them nightmares, and you know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't been on this Baylor team for whatever reason all season long. I kind, I just don't buy them. Maybe I'm wrong on this team. They certainly looked like uh, world beaters this past weekend. Yeah, we'll find out. I think Saturday it is Baylor Kansas, and if, if Baylor can get by Kansas, they're gonna potentially be favored to yep. run the table in the Big 12, and that would be quite a story for them. No doubt about it. Alex, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it.
Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Alex CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. More likely, of the two ranked, they got three home games Iowa State does. TCU, unranked, obviously. Right. Texas Tech and West Virginia, the two ranked teams. More likely win? Of those two? Of those two. I guess, boy, I don't know. Am I, I likely they lose them both? That would be my I, guess. I would think so. I think I would say West, uh, beating West Virginia right now. I think now? Texas Tech arrows pointing up, Trent. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Even this past weekend, is not, notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. All right, we will take a time out, come back, finish up the hour. Uh, Miller and Condon with you. I want to do a bit baseball note. I want a selfish baseball note. Okay, so we're talking Blue Jays. We are. With one of my all-time favorites who passed away this uh, weekend. Oh, yeah. Boy, he was good. Tony Fernandez. Miller and uh, Condon with you until noon. 1460 KXNO and now on 106.7. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, Kerry Miller Bleacher Report kicks off the 11 o'clock hour. Scott Darkerman at about 11.30. So Tony Fernandez, who was as, I think, as graceful a defensive shortstop uh, as there was in the 80s. I mean, Ozzie Smith <laughs> wasn't bad. <laughs> but in the American League in particular, uh, Tony Fernandez, my three favorite Blue Jays of all my fandom, which certainly wasn't isn't what it once was, um, Dave Steeb, number one. Okay. Who was so good. I love watching Steve pitch. R- Robbie Alomar. Mm-hmm. And Tony Fernandez, who was just a gifted, gifted defensive shortstop. Lanky. Lanky, yes. Big, Long. tall, absolutely good range to his left. Yep. The way he flipped the ball. Um, he was so good defensively and, and, and was part of one of the biggest trades of. I don't know, in, in some time. And, I mean, this was legitimate superstar. So from the Blue Jays went Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez. Okay. Yes, yes. To the Padres in yes. exchange for Joe Carter and Robbie Alomar. Huh. Not bad. We don't see those kind of deals You don't anymore. see them. That, this was 1990, I want to say. So you're still a young kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold that one against you that that slipped past you. But uh, this was a massive, massive trade. And, and I mean, Carter, I mean, the home run in the World Series. Absolutely. And Alomar is a uh, Hall of Famer. And Fred McGriff's got a video. Um, and maybe should be in the Hall of Fame. Doesn't he have like 499? Is that what it is? It's something crazy. He's so close because you know that there's that threshold. Well, if he hit 500, right. you're in the Hall of Fame. McGriff's got like four. He's really close. Is it 492? I don't know. It's 490 something. I'm pretty sure. Fred McGriff. He had career homers 493. 493. So if he would have hit seven more balls, he would have been in the Hall of Fame. But because he didn't, Hall of Very Good. He's in the Hall of Very Good. Um, Five time All Star. Yeah. Led the league in home runs in 89 and 92. Did he? Okay. Uh, Alomar was a, or uh, Fernandez was a five-time All-Star. Yes. He was a a World Series champion. Um, Multiple gold gloves, I have to assume, that he had a bunch of gold gloves. Uh, but uh, he lost his life at 57 years old. Those are some good Blue Jays teams. They yes, really they were. were. Those teams in the 80s were spectacular. George Bell and Jesse Barfield and dot, dot, dot. 
Ernie Witt. <laughs> Ernie Witt. You're going a little bit deeper there, Abby. <laughs> well, I had the first few and you got to him. Yeah, Ernie Witt and Buck Martinez, your catcher in your depth chart. So speaking of baseball, the... Uh, you don't ca- want to talk Blue Jays anymore? I, I'm it? good. I'm you, good. You're, you're, you're sticking up for the audience here. I had my fill. Okay. Uh, the continued back and forth. So Altuve shows up today uh-huh. with his shirt off. Uh-huh. Showing everybody the tattoo, apparently. His tattoo that... He apparently had. That's why he was saying, Trent don't Stern. rip my shirt off. It just keeps getting worse by the day. They just should just shut up. They're not going to be punished. The cover-up is worse. It's way worse. It's way worse. First of all, he's embarrassed. His wife doesn't want to see it. Come on. Then they show a picture of him and four of his teammates standing in the ocean somewhere, you know, in, in mm-hmm. their in their swim trunks, and you're, you're squinting. You're, I don't see a tattoo. They're no, like, not I don't all. know when he got the tattoo. I do know that the reason that he was... Um, didn't want his shirt ripped off was not because the tattoo didn't look good. That's not it. I'm Come sorry. On. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I might have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night. <laughs> that, that story to come up with that. How are we going to? Yeah, who's this in one? charge of that? The same person who was in charge of putting Shaka Khan at the uh, United Center last night to sing the anthem. I mean, how does? Anyways, it's not my anthem, but I was boy, oh boy, oh boy. It was different. It was terrible, Trent. It was different. It was terrible. The NBA All-Star, they've had some different kind of national anthem renditions. Mm -hmm. Remember Fergie? A couple years ago? I didn't, but I saw on Twitter very quickly after that. They brought that one up, Uh too? That makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, my God. That was uh, that was that was tough to watch. So I went to Twitter because I wasn't watching. I was watching the Blackhawks and the Jets until that game got over. Then I got to I think I got to the All Star game at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, almost the uh, beginning of the fourth quarter. And uh, what I did realize that the tournament that we got all goo goo about last year, yeah, we the were Team Iowa, it. Iowa United, right. Um, and they had the Elam ending in place in that thing. Apparently not people were watching it, because <laughs> right. there's a lot of people that had never heard of the Elam ending saw until an, last yep, night. Saw it for the first time, but, and you get it. It's the NBA All-Star game as opposed to a summer basketball right, tournament. Right, right, get it. Definitely get that, but as I told you last summer when we first talked about the Elam ending, I'm not a fan of it. See, I don't I like am. it. I am. I like it, but I do. I did hate it ending on a free throw. I mean, that Anthony is, Davis makes a free throw and the game's over. Yeah, that part is awful. Mm-hmm. Now, there's free throws at the end of regularly timed basketball endings, so I get that argument on the other side. The other reason, and the biggest one for me, think of buzzer beaters. Yeah, it's out of the equation. Buzzer beaters are, to me, the embodiment of everything basketball. And, and sitting as a youngster in your driveway, three, two, one, and you hoist it, and, <laughs> and the shot goes in. We don't get that anymore. No. There's something visceral about that. Did you see the comments from the participants in the All-Star game last night pursuant to the Elam ending? No, what did they say? They loved it. Huh. Loved it. Because you can't not have the free throw at the end. Because then every no, time you, it gets you're right. they you're just right. hack them. Right. And just, all right, take it out. So you can't right. take away that element that leads to a eh, pretty dull ending. Mm-hmm. Make a free throw and the game's over. Missed the first one, you're thinking, okay, you're into it a little bit, and then he's, you know, swish. He wasn't going to miss both of them, but... You this know, is what, what I'm going to be angry old man about, though. I'm going to go stop the, it and Because of the no buzzer? Because of the no buzzer, uh-huh. Peter. There's that for me and they didn't is know how, so big. Trent, the, the players didn't know how to approach it. Oh, no. They, Especially Team LeBron, LeBron. They were lost. Mm-hmm. And LeBron coming across half court and just Thought firing. he was going to end it right there. Now, that that would have been, been great. That would have brought the house down. That would have been excellent, but yeah. we didn't get that... Still some tweaks to figure out. 
I get the arguments. Mm-hmm. Still not for me, though. So, look, I like I say, I watched maybe the final. It might have been nine minutes left in the game. Was it good? I mean, was the first part good? Did you watch it all? I didn't watch much of it before that either. So you got to it at the right time, yeah. too. Um, but but I'll tell you, the fourth quarter, what I saw was very entertaining. All right, 11 o'clock hours next. A lot of college basketball talk. we got another hour to go. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, now on 106.3.